Have you ever noticed that if you ask 10 people what corporate diversity and inclusion means, you'll get 10 different answers? We invite you to join us for the Inclusion Score podcast as we discuss the standardization of corporate diversity and inclusion. I'm Karen Prater Jasmine, Chief Data Officer at Inclusion Score. And I'm James Felton Keith, CEO at Inclusion Score. We'll meet with leading experts, academics, diplomats, and business people about how to methodologically deliver corporate inclusivity across your organization's governance, HR, product delivery, and supplier diversity. Let's focus on getting DNI right, because if you've worked where we've worked over the years, you know that a bad system beats good intentions any day. WHCR 90.3 FM, New York. Good day, good day, good day, good day, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is James Felton Keith. And um, I just thought I'd spend a bit of time speaking to you all about the money. (laughs) Uh, This is a special edition of the Inclusion Score podcast. Um, We just finished the Techstars Washington, D.C. 2023 cohort. at inclusion score we just received some venture investment from them and I want to recap the experience with everyone I, I've been getting a lot of emails and DMS and text messages about the structure of the program about venture capital in general about fundraising in general around what that process looks like and for those of you who are more familiar with inclusion score you know that we've been through quite a few incubators over the years. Um, For those of you all who are familiar with me, you'll know that I've been through more than a few incubators with more than a few companies uh, over the years. So I just thought it could be, you know, valuable to everyone to recap this particular incubator. Um, I'm also being asked by the incubator to recap, not in public for you all, but uh, just in general. And so with that said, I want to get right into it. I want to, you know, let everybody know, you know, first, it was a great experience relative to some of the other experiences that that I've had. And just to give you all some context, you know, Inclusion Score is a relatively new company. It's arguably a, a culmination of my life's work of all of my various professional identities overlapping, you know, the the engineering James, the economist James, the politician James, you know, and by politician, I just mean the policy guy. I'm thinking specifically about the new uh, international standard that we're really helping to distribute via uh, inclusion score as a software platform, as an insure tech and a brokerage. Um, but before I was this guy, uh, I started and failed at multiple companies, both for-profit and in the, in the nonprofit space. Uh, I actually moved to New York, where I'm sitting right now. It's, it's nearly the middle of the night. I just finished watching uh, a bit of NBA TV, as I normally do, um, after around 8 o'clock p.m. And, and the rest of my family's TV privileges run out. But, um, and, and so I, I figured I would get up and just have this conversation um, 
and post it for for everyone who's thinking about it. But you know, I moved to New York. I say a good fifteen plus years ago uh, to start a fintech company. I moved here with with a bunch of business partners to start a, a analytics company back before big data was a, a term that was frequently used. We had a bunch of it uh, and leveraged it to create what we thought were predictive analytics for stocks, futures, and forex back in the day. A company called Accrue. I think uh, our former co-founder still owns the, the web domain at accrue.com if, if folks want to check out what Accrue was. But other companies over the years, you know, ad tech companies like Stall Talk and Slay TV, which I think people uh, thought was just a TV property, but it was actually an advertising agency with a tech component. It was an ad tech. And for people not familiar with Slay TV at all, it was basically a very queer version of BET. We had some success uh, prior to the pandemic. Uh, but also nonprofits like the Data Union, which was responsible for influencing and writing. I think the majority of the personal data and data-centric policy in the U.S. and the European Union during the 2010s. Um, I think where I had some of the most success was with the Detroit Regional LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Uh, which is is still a thriving organization, a relatively large organization uh, at this point, um, that founded all of the Pride Nights that people see across big box sports franchises uh, across the United States, uh, whether they're specific to, you know, LGBT Pride or you know, Asian American Pacific Islander or you know, Latin Latino, Latina, Latinx, you name it. Um, we started a lot of those initiatives. Uh, to grow partnerships with that Chamber of Commerce. We also helped change the name of the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce to add the B and the T. Um, so I was familiar with building trade associations with Chambers of Commerce. Um, and through all of those companies and, and a few more, whether they were FinTech or AdTech uh, or InsureTech, I worked for years at Cyber fence and did something very similar to what we do at Inclusion Score for cyber insurance and cyber risk management. Um, and throughout all those companies, whether we were tech or whether we were a trade association or chamber of commerce style entity, um, we were a part of incubators. So I've participated in incubators, um, you know, here in New York, out in California. I've been a part of industry-specific incubators. We were incubated for inclusion score at PricewaterhouseCoopers Incubator. We've been a part of New Chip down in Austin, Texas, which collapsed with some of the money that we pay them. I've been a part of incubators that we've paid money to. I've been a part of minority-specific incubators, incubators for black folks, incubators for LGBT folks. I've participated with Start Out. If you all aren't familiar, they're sort of this startup org for LGBT founders. I've been participating with them since they were founded doing their policy uh, meeting down on Capitol Hill at Washington, D.C., paneling with the current you know, governor of Colorado, and he was just a congressman when I was thinking about running for Congress myself. Um, so I've been a part of a lot of incubators, um, and they all 
try to give you, you know, something unique, some sort of unique experience that the founder might need that they don't have, right? A lot of founders come to the table with, you know, one of the many pieces that they might need to, to pull off a new company. And I think to oversimplify, and this is definitely an oversimplification, but if, if you'd like to think about what it takes to build a brand new company, you essentially want all of the course uh, capital that you would cover in a regular Masters of Business Administration program. So you've got your leadership folks who come to the table and they, they know their industry and they're leaders in it. Or you've got your finance folks who really understand financial modeling and, and how capital works and what it costs. You've got your operations people, right? And then you've got your, your marketing people, right? Who understand how to, how to deliver a message, productize and sell a product. And maybe I skipped over operations too fast, but your operations people are people who are familiar with running a company. I think when I think about my company, about inclusion score uh, in particular, um, for all of those four facets of, of building an institution, I've, I've sort of performed that in some capacity before we got here. So I, I ran large uh, enterprise, sort of tech-infused consultant enterprise, which is somewhat what we offer at Inclusion Score for other companies before, for Hewlett Packard, for Sapiens, which is this large uh, Israeli-owned uh, uh, big data and software company that trades here on the NASDAQ uh, in the United States, I mean, by here. Um, so I've, I've done some of that work before, managed large teams of plus 70 people before, right? Or whether it's the, the marketing and product you know, piece, I've built new products and tried to market them and take them to market, whether it was with startups or other large companies that I worked for. Um, the leadership piece, I think I've, I've grown into that over uh, just a lifetime of, of working. But, you know, running for U.S. Congress helped with that a lot. It helped with my ability to communicate uh, both to a, a large audience and a small audience and just really to myself about why I'm doing what I'm doing. I think when you run for office, you have to spend a lot of time answering the why so that you're never razzled when a constituent asks you about the why. Uh, and last but not least, you know, my formal training is as a finance guy, but having had uh, and started multiple failed startups, I was relatively familiar with, you know, what capital structure looks like and what financial models look like, what venture capitalists like to see, what they don't like to see, uh, some of the confidence that you have to uh, sell them. But I'd also say, you know, even my lawyer, right? The lawyer that we have, uh, Jay Taylor at Inclusion Score, I've worked with Jay in some capacity over the course of the past 10 years. You know, we first met Jay when I was at another startup that failed uh, but we learned a lot, and I got to know and trust Jay, and he just happens to be a specialist at uh, capital structure and financial filing. So I think a lot of what I was bringing to the table by the time I met Techstars was, you know, 10 to 20 years of experience in those four categories that I think most students would see in an MBA program, at least you know, in the 2000s when I was going to school. And I know that a lot of programs are different now and they're structured different now. And so that brings me up to Techstars. Uh, 
I think that one of the unique things that they did outside of making a direct investment, which really mattered, I think it was a bit of the, the glue that incentivized the, the cohort to come together. But this particular group at Techstars, I think this is just their second cohort in D.C. The cohort that they had last year was a lot smaller and specific to the D.C. Baltimore area. Obviously, I'm, I'm a New Yorker, not in D.C. or Baltimore, even though it's a hop, skip, and a jump from where I live and, and where I primarily work. Um, there were folks in there from, you know, three continents, from, you know, half dozen comp, uh, countries. There were 25 different companies, so it was a much different cohort than the, the previous cohort. And what I found to be the most interesting and I think their initial pitch as a value proposition outside of the branding of Techstars, which is notable aside from, I would say, Y Combinator as normally the most active seed investor in the country or on the planet, but also uh, having the, the bandwidth to properly vet companies. Um, outside of that you know, value proposition, if you will, that they were offering, they were offering a unique community. And, you know, at first I was like, you know, I like the first value prop, right? I like, I like the, the branding and, and that you all are going to do due diligence on us and we can leverage that to speak to other investors as we grow and look to raise a series A, B, C, et cetera. Uh, but, you know, I, well, I didn't take the the community building piece for for granted. I didn't initially hold it as high as I as I found it to be, you know, over time. And so, you know, other twenty five companies, you know, none of them were, you know, obviously direct competitors. Uh, but we really weren't in the same space. Like I didn't I didn't mean any other proper insure tech, so that identified as an insure tech in the in the cohort. Uh, and there were no, you know, HR techs that had an insurance angle. Uh, but we did learn from each other and grow from each other. I mean, there were there were ed tech people and ad tech people and fintech people. And, you know, there's a clothing company that does green and renewable clothing and, you know, is leading the circular clothing movement. I'm, apologies, Mariana and the, the team at Jackalow, if I... Um, miscoin that movement that circular <laughs> movement uh, around you know uh clothing waste uh anyway there were there were companies from everywhere uh there was a brilliant hr tech company that's based here in new york run by a woman who owns a restaurant here in manhattan and they're uh they're solving the the problem of identifying and supplying uh, human resources at some of these smaller, you know, mom and pop restaurants that are all around the city and so many cities, not just uh, here in the United States, but but globally. Uh, so just so many different types of companies, uh, so many women, especially women of color of, of all different colors. It was uh, it was a real rainbow coalition of founders. And I think one of the biggest values at least that I got from going down and meeting with them in person obviously it was a bit easier for me because I'm in New York there in DC uh, was getting to know everybody and getting to bounce ideas off of everybody now 
you know, I think when a lot of people think about uh, startup incubators or accelerators, uh, they they think they all have this component, and they definitely all advertise that they have this component. But when I think about the Price Waterhouse Coopers incubator, and when I think about the New Chip incubator, the PwC one that we were in was out in London, and the New Chip one was out in Austin. And in Austin, there were founders from across the globe. And in my cohort, I think there were about seven or eight of us. And it was all virtual. And in PwC, we were from across the globe, but all you know had some sort of angle that we thought we could sell a product through PwC. And there wasn't an incentive for us to interact enough, even though we were all doing radically different things. But here at Techstars, there was. And now I think money matters, uh, especially when we're talking about building companies. And so the the capital that they offered up front allowed us to all get in the same room, get to know each other, and kind of melt the ice around. I think, I won't speak for everyone, I was going to say some of the chips on our shoulder, but I'll just talk about the chips on mine and you know, who I thought that I did and didn't need to meet. Uh, you know, it's difficult because I don't meet a lot of insure tech founders outside of insurance. And as a, I'm not gonna call myself an old insurance guy, but I've been around the industry for a good 15 years uh, as a seller of tech, a, as a consultant, et cetera. And you kind of know everybody or know everybody that needs to introduce you to everyone who's a decision maker. If you're really in the industry, it's unlikely that there are incubators that are more well-suited to make introductions for you unless they're insure tech specific incubators. Uh, and you're really bouncing off the same players. Even though the insurance industry is huge, it's really huge with a sales component and a claims management component. So there are a lot of brokers, a lot of claims people. But as far as the folks making the decisions, it's, it's sort of a small world. Now that's a bit interesting, at least to me, because I think insurance is the biggest, oldest industry you know, on the planet. I think a lot of folks look at it as a, as a subcategory of finance, but you know, if any, for any of you all who know me, I think it's the, the other way around. I think uh, insurance is arguably the oldest industry on the planet. It, it buoys all of our economies. And before financial markets, capital markets, currency markets, debt markets could exist, risk capital had to exist first. There's no other type of capital without risk capital first. So anyway, insurance is old. And a lot of us know each other. And if you really want to meet new people in the industry, you participate with the trade associations, not an incubator. Um, that said, it made uh, an incubator or accelerator less attractive. Now, the actual capital that comes along with it, the VC component, is a bit of a differentiator. And I think it's a bit of a differentiator with Techstars and Y Combinator in general. When you look at some of the other incubator accelerators that uh, either don't make direct investment or they give you grants or they actually cost you money. We've been in incubators that have cost us you know, thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars to participate in just because we thought that that was what we needed to do. I kind of wish I would have known or even applied to Techstars, you know, two years ago or before we did. Uh, 
and I really can't uh, take the credit for applying this time. Our uh, assistant, our group assistant, uh, made the application, and I picked up the call and had the, the conversations with Adam's, uh, Adam Phillips, who was the investor you know, at Techstars DC, who's been building out uh, this particular program at Techstars. And, um, you know, when we first met, I thought, this is not real. Like, he's not calling to say, we like you. Because at Inclusion Score, we sort of stay in our box. I'm not uh, at all of the, you know, startup events. You know, I guess we don't, we don't participate in a lot of, uh, you know, startup category, you know, events. I'm not regularly reviewing what other companies are doing. I wouldn't call myself a startup enthusiast. Uh, after I finished running for office, I really, I kind of tell myself I wouldn't do a startup again. It just so happened that again, all of my lives stacked up on each other and the summer of 2020 happened. And this was just, it was both an opportunity, inclusion score that is, that I couldn't back away from. And I'm not the kind of guy to, to use language like a calling, but it, it just seemed like something that was with, within my wheelhouse to, to execute well. And so, and so we have, we have been, you know, executing well. Uh, and so when I met Adam at Techstars, you know, my initial thought was, you know, I don't know how, how real this is, but we kept moving forward through their, through their process. They, they call us about due diligence. They let us know more about the program. They let us know if, if, if we wanted to be in, we were, we were in, they let us know about the, the other types of companies that were going to come and participate. And so making it down to DC in September, when we all got started and meeting everyone was a bit of the, a bit of an eye opener. You had some people, you know, everyone obviously knew their industry and their product because they were picked and they, they all got investment um, with, you know, some similar, maybe slightly varying terms. Um, but as they were doing that uh, work, uh, we got to know, we started to see why we were picked. And it was sort of like, it made me think about like a basketball team. Obviously, I watch a lot of basketball. I don't watch a lot of other sports. But there are certain people picked for different things. You have, you know, high scores, but you have morale folks. You have people who are going to play defense. You have, you know, veterans. We have people in there who are Grammy-nominated, you know, musicians. We have former, you know, Fortune 500, you know, $2 billion P&L running, you know, COOs and CEOs. I mean, it was a real rock star group everyone seemed to be a bit of a you know uh talent in their in their area we had two you know former professional athletes who now in their young but older age for athletes are you know building tech companies um so it's just a little awe-inspiring when you meet everyone and hear their story outside of just seeing folks walk by in a in a hoodie and jeans obviously showed up that first day maybe a bit overdressed because we do a bit of business in DC and we'd like to do more. So I show up as the, the blue suit politician, James, instead of um, maybe the tech stars hoodie wearing techie James. But 
anyway, as we met everyone, uh, there were a couple of early opportunities. Some folks you just jazz with immediately and you become immediate friends. And everyone else, I think, is sort of you're one step removed from me, but you're, you're trying to figure out if, if it's possible or necessary to, to become close. But, but Techstars leverages their first week to take everyone through regular business operations strategy. So they hire a process engineer, which obviously I like as a mechanical engineer, process engineer. And she's an expert, she comes in, she talks to everyone about just different models to run your company, no matter who you are. And that drew me in, in particular. I would say 23, you know, 22 out of the 25 companies needed all of these frameworks. And so they were at every meeting, you know, bright and early. It was like a conference. We were at a hotel conference room, you know, drinking coffees or, you know, energy drinks and whatever, electrolytes and talking about our companies and, and what they would be and what they look like. But those early meetings were a draw for us to sort of organically work out what our process of camaraderie would look like. You had some spreadsheet superheroes. You had, you know, this this one woman who's running a brilliant, um, I don't know if it's called, if she would call it a health tech, but I would call it a health tech, where they're really solving some of the uh, nurse shortage crisis in this country. And she set everyone up on WhatsApp because there were a few international people there from, uh, you know, Eastern Europe and South America. And we all got to chatting and, and sharing best practices, sharing things we know, sharing contacts, sharing access to our current investors. And from there, you realize this would be a valuable pool of people to sort of be your support group. We sort of turned into like any graduate school or undergraduate school class or fraternity, if you will. I think we were all rooting for each other. And because of how we were picked, you know, by Adam and team, you know, Darius and Russell and Sam and and so many others, the, the entrepreneurs and residents who were participating were great. Uh, they were knowledgeable, um, which... <laughs> I say, as someone who's been around, that has not always been my experience. But those people um, build built a, a series of walls around us that allowed us to become each other's support. Um, I can tell you, you know, right now, half of the cohort is is considering when we can do the next trip together because we're just used to, you know, getting together and talking about our companies and the world and, and how the world works and, and each other. And I feel like that was, to my earlier mention, the most valuable outcome of the, the cohort. You know, I think people say on the internet, you see it on LinkedIn, that it's, that it's lonely being an entrepreneur. Whether you're a sole entrepreneur or whether you have co-founders, it's lonely in general because there's only a few people who understand exactly what you're going through, who you can talk to about not only the operations or the go-to-market strategies or the failures in that and then getting back up and finding a better way to sell whatever you're selling, but also the financial ins and outs and the differences between you know equity and debt and convertible notes and safe notes and 
sometimes even if you do think you know what you're talking about, trying to explain it to someone else will let you know how much you actually know what you're talking about. Uh, so that that constant ask, because there's so many people there of what and how you're doing what you're doing, will force you to actually explain to yourself how and why you're doing what you're actually doing. And the frequency of that is necessary, I think, to be successful. And I, that wasn't in my experience in other incubators. You know, even, you know, I've gone through the plug and play incubator out in, out in California where we were physically there and we were required to get there uh, every now and again. But the cohorts that they would bring in, they give you office space out in Sunnyvale, which if you're not familiar is Silicon Valley area. Uh, and if you're not a Northern California person, you know, you got to fly in, you got to find an Airbnb, it's expensive. But there are no mandated, you know, sessions that you're, that, you know, I guess when you're running your own company, nothing's mandated. You know, if you got a client meeting, you can always, you know, say screw something and go do whatever it is that you want to do. But there's the, it's suggested that you should be there and you, you know, not wanting to be the oddball, the the cocky bastard in the room, you, you want to show up. You want to show up if for no other reason then it is your objective to be professional, to be the best at, at what you're trying to become or for your company to become the best. And you got to admit when you start in a new company, or at least, you know, if you're a decent founder, you got to admit to yourself that even that your strong areas, there are things that, that you don't know, you know. So that first week in DC with Techstars, even though I would like to think that I'm the best process engineer I know, uh, I wanted to hear everything this process engineer that Techstars hired had to say, everything that I could, because I would, during most days, when the daylight is out, Eastern Standard Time, I'm managing, you know, or troubleshooting client crises. But when I wasn't on the phone or popping out for those sorts of things, I wanted to know what she had to say. And I wanted to ensure that I knew about it or agreed with it, or if I disagree with it, why? Um, and so again, other incubators have not done that in my, in my experience uh, over the years. And so again, I think it was, it was wise that the first intro was operations specific because you start getting into companies business models and and understanding even if folks are selling something you know wildly different than what you're selling how the models might overlap or where you can learn new things or where you can you know take tidbits from what they were able to do to go to market or share and use that opportunity to you know, differentiate yourself, even pat yourself on the back if you need that because no one else will. Again, I cannot stress how lonely it is trying to build something from scratch. And even, you know, lay people who might ask you, you know, what are you doing with your company? Or they've seen the branding or they've seen you on the internet. You know, it's, it's really difficult to explain to them what you're actually doing because they don't know and they're not in your industry. Uh, so... You know, so it was an opportunity for us to for us to come together, and again, while you know all the other, you know, portions of the the cohort, which again just wrapped up in December, 
it lasted from September to now. Um, while all the other things were valuable, again, the stuff on finance or the access to the, the VC network or the conversations about branding and you know founder story versus the company story uh, and you know what capitalization should should look like and some of the dangers and um, you know understanding what norms are and what they aren't with regards to bringing on advisory boards or co-founders or employees or what taxes look like all these different things um, well all that other stuff was was valuable I think really the network that you got that was willing to have the conversation with you mattered. And that really brings me around to the capital that they actually invested. I think the the difference between, between this incubator, well, first, let me go back. And this is not everyone's reality or everyone's opportunity, but I would say paying for incubators. And now in my experience of, you know, 15 years of starting, you know, companies and, you know, two plus years of this one maybe we were designing the product you know a year before so let's say i've been doing inclusion score for three years but building tidbits of it that have come together under this company over the course of the past 10 years i would say paying for incubators unless they're giving you some sort of direct access to a big company that you really believe that you can execute is not worth it execute on, excuse me, it's, it's just, it's not worth it. Um, because time is money. And the money mattered at Techstars for, I think, the broader group, I don't wanna speak for everyone, but I've heard from some of my cohort members that it really mattered on them being able to spend the time buying in. Because I think when you start a new company, there's such a sense of desperation that you don't know what you're gambling with and you don't know if you have the time to spend getting to know people uh, in a less than transactional way and that's dangerous and i think that's a that's a big pitfall for founders who don't have the means to build their company to bootstrap it right even if you do have the money to bootstrap the company you want to expand your network you want investors you want to manage the value valuation of the company in a responsible way so just throwing your money at it and starting it like a, a mom and pop shop is is not all, always desirable especially if you're building tech uh, and you eventually want to be a venture-backed company you got to play the game you got to get to know people and sometimes when you don't when you're not already flush with cash and you're worried about that you know corporate check and account going to zero you don't know if you can spend time getting to know everybody. So uh, so the money mattered. Uh, and the, the opportunity and the problem of that are, you know, the opportunity is that, again, we, we got to spend time getting to know each other and leveraging each other's experiences. Um, but the problem with that is we had to have a certain amount of traction, right? We were already at, you know, a bunch of companies in a bunch of countries we had, you know, big contracts with big insurance carriers that they advertised, they being the, the clients, the insurance carriers. And we've just gotten a big government, you know, grant to push our product through the U.S. federal government. So, you know, we had some, some things to rest on. The other founders had, you know, similar traction. Some companies were making more money than others. Some companies had more product than others. But they all had something relatively extraordinary to get that initial investment. 
And, you know, a lot of that, a lot of these companies were about or are about the same age as ours. They are about two to three-year-old companies. And it takes, again, when I hear people say, I want to start a company overnight, I'm like, well, sometimes it takes two, three years just to get to that seed investable stage where it's not just you and your family. And I don't mean family and friends. I mean, you and whoever lives in your house, <laughs> right? So, um, so that mattered. Um, and when I go back to the greatest value was the camaraderie that we built. I don't think that for, for women and for black founders and other founders of color, uh, not that this cohort was founders of color or, or women, there were you know plenty of uh, white guys, great guys who were in the program. But I think the majority of our cohort, you know, represented some faction of a disenfranchised population. And we don't always have a community to lean on, talk about the business problems that we're experiencing, learn from those, and then fail and get back up. Right, there's there's not enough people sitting around with money to say, go screw up, screw off this million dollars, whatever, half a million dollars, hundred thousand dollars, you name it, to learn your market and how you want to go to that market. Right. And so, you know, I remember back in the day I used to do a lot of because I needed to 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 adopt different uh, networks. I used to do a lot of incubator work myself and, and panels and speeches about uh, and advisory boards for uh, venture funds on what I think about new companies. And to keep it really simple, I wouldn't really look at companies and how sexy their tech was or even how sexy their their founding team was. I just look at their ability to go to market. How much sense did their go-to-market strategy make to me? As a consultant, in the earliest part of my career for about 10 years, I had just seen a lot of different types of companies work, whether they were manufacturing companies or engineering or insurance or finance or accounting or, uh, you know, just you, you name it, construction companies, um, automotive companies. I'd worked in a lot of places. I've been fortunate to do that and seen the processes with which a lot of companies work. And so when I thought about startups, all I really cared about in vetting if they had a chance to make it or not was their go-to-market strategy. And not only if they had a path to do it, but did they have the people who could place it where it needed to be placed. Um, I remember being a young person trying to start a company and needing to spend, you know, 10 to 20% of that founder equity to buy the grand old man to take you to market. I didn't realize until after I was 40 that the world thought of me as a grand old man. Even though in my head I thought I was 12 starting a new company, people were like, you're the old man in the blue suit. I was like, get out of here. I, that, is that how people you know, see me? Do I need to maybe put a little cream under my eyes or something like that? So anyway, I think the camaraderie of Techstars wasn't just about you know, being able to bounce questions off each other and making new friends who understood what we understood. But it sort of created this new cultural buoyancy that I think a lot of us felt more comfortable with talking about 
the things we were screwing up at. And, and we met some of the folks from the earlier cohorts who their companies were still gone or a few who, who had uh, sold their IP to other companies uh, or who you know were still just sort of participating. And we saw that there was a community there that gave us a window to fail. I think becoming a Techstars founder, and again, the only other uh, incubator accelerator program I can compare it to is like Y Combinator. I think it is sort of, uh, and you know, I hate to be hyper elitist about it, but that's sort of where capital rests. It's sort of you know, you know, in the category, in the vein of being from the Ivy League, and folks will give you an opportunity to fail a bit, you know, and having you know gone to Ivy League school, I, I, I am aware, and it has been my experience that people have been available to give me their ear, uh, regardless of, of how I look, because I've been validated by another institution. And so I think these institutions matter in who they select and who they give early capital to, even though we know that, you know, if, I don't know, what the actual percentage is, but like, you know, two to four out of every, you know, 20 to 25 firms will go all the way. It's, it's important who they give the money to because of the bandwidth that these thinkers, that these problem solvers, that these entrepreneurs try to solve. Um, and, you know, the... The other big advantage, I think, of some of these cohorts is uh, the ability of these founders, even if they don't do exactly what they set out to do, to be great partners in the future of not only other startups, but just other large companies who need innovative thinkers. You know, there were people in our cohort who, when we were defining our exit strategies, some who wanted to go to the moon, who wanted to go to IPO, but there were many who just want to sale to a large company uh, and who would be a great, you know, VP, SVP, EVP of blah, 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 of product, of delivery, of you name it, of research or strategy at other big companies, other big brands that we're already familiar with. And also folks that have done that work, right, that have been at big companies and run small pieces of large companies even if small is, again, I'm thinking about one woman in particular is run, you know, a few billion dollar small piece of a much bigger company. So, you know, I say that to say, I think Techstars, well, I had a good experience and, you know, as operating anything goes, everything wasn't totally smooth. I don't think that every founder would say that it was 100% smooth, but I do think that everyone got some value out of it. And at least I saw it, even if their expectations weren't met with whatever their expectations were, you know, at the beginning. But um, I think that the most valuable thing that Techstars does or this Techstars cohort did is it gives a new group of people the bandwidth to fail, learn and and try again. And um, you don't see that in every uh in every incubator um, and it's just it's so necessary as uh, the population changes as the demographics of 
the world that we live in changes more women come into the workforce because women are graduated from college at a higher rate than men pretty much everywhere in the um, Western world at least uh, and it'll follow suit in the the BRIC countries um, because we're absorbing a lot of migration across the globe as people are forced to move away from the equator whether some people either here or in Europe or wherever like it or not this is our reality and we have to give a new class of stakeholders the opportunity to try and solve the problems that they see in the organizational world in the corporate world and I think Techstars is going a long way in doing that by cutting real checks and making real bets on people and infusing them with the infrastructure to say we believe in you and now you you need to perform as if you would for your family to to help them all thrive the one thing that i think that all 25 companies that were in my cohort felt was the need to to do well um and again in the same way that you know when you walk out of your house at least when i do and want to perform for my family that i feel like i i have to i feel like if i don't you know bring home something to eat then we ain't eating so um so i'm 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 glad that we participated in Techstars for for those reasons. There were a, a whole lot of standard fixings that uh, I think I've learned over the years, again, in the leadership, operations, finance, and marketing categories. But uh, the faith that they invest by engaging um, the uh the founders and giving them money is extremely important and uh you know it's it's going to change some people's lives because i would say of all the um incubators that i've been a part of all the accelerators that i've been a part of the investor intros have been a bit weak but i've i've gotten at least nine enthusiastic investor intros through this and and we're not even raising right now we're not raising again probably hopefully until the middle of next year and that for me has gone a long way now maybe I mean there's an argument to be made that our company is is further along than it was previously and that we look like a better investment in general but uh, I just think that the the very real and active network that Techstars has is different than the networks that a lot of other incubators claim to have. Even if those incubators have a fund tied to them. Uh, so that's my experience. Uh, I had I had a good one and um, I'm looking forward to recommending Techstars to, to other firms that, that I meet. Uh, the Techstars DC cohort uh, in particular, especially for firms that are in the insure tech and reg tech and gov tech space, uh, just because I think it's a, a big liquid space, kind of thirsty for a lot of innovation. And um, yeah, that's my, my two cents or, you know, my 50 minutes worth of, <laughs> worth of two cents. But uh, yeah, if you all have more questions, Feel free to, you know, leave it in the comments or uh, or email us or, or DM us. I'll, I'll try to get to 
uh, as many of them as as possible but uh, but that's been my experience with tech stars and um uh you know it's it's the end of the year it's when am i recording this wednesday is hump day december 13th where a lot of people are winding down but i'll still be here at work every single day including every holiday this year but that's just my life as an entrepreneur uh but yeah, that's that's been my experience with Tech Stars, and I just want to wish everybody a a fruitful 2024, and you know, happy holidays if if you're the sort that celebrate um, that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, this has been a a special edition of the Inclusion Score podcast. We're not really talking, at least not directly, about uh, Inclusion Score, the product, or diverse inclusion, the the budding industry. Um, there'll be more of that when we come back with the very next episode. So, thanks everybody. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar, dollar bill, yo.